Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Uh, so, yeah, I forgot to mention yesterday, uh, there was a joke that a man told me. It wasn't even a joke, it was just a funny remark okay. that a man said that, that I really enjoyed, and Steve will really like and Adam will hate. Okay. Why will I hate it? Okay, well, let's find out. Because you like out. good jokes, I do not like good jokes, bad yeah. jokes. Steve loves a bad joke. Yeah, man. I tend to like uh, good things and not like bad things. I, was, I went for a walk with my wife, and... Yeah. My wife. Uh, and... Insert my wife dot gif. Yeah. And I insert my wife. And dot <laughs> gif. And there was a mat and there was a really fluffy dog, right? A big it was like an Alsatian cross or something. It was like big and fluffy. Nice. And I passed me and I said to the man, excuse me, is your dog a cross? And he went, No, he's very happy. Yeah, good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> happy with that. And I was like, great. <laughs> He said that joke so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Quick Jesus. as a flash, I bet, as well. Great. Big Loved grin it. on his face, yeah? Yeah. Hello. Uh, welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, and we're doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us uh, during season four which is called Is It Rad In Yo Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, is it rad in your head? Uh, and to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called Is It Rad In Your Head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. Uh, I love music. I'm a sweaty little music nerd. I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music with me, as always, as someone who has said they don't care about art or critique, and they don't really often relate personally to music. But 
They do love it when the pleasant music bubble bursts lovingly onto their eardrum. It is, of course, Lucas Way. Got a little, got a little gin. Lovely. It's gin. It's gin time. Every every day is gin day. Every day is gin day. It's yeah. it's leg day at the gin. It's let, gin o'clock. Let the fun be gin. Let the fun be. Gin. Forgive me, Father, for I have ginned. Oh, I hate you. I hate you so I'm much. Kill you. That's oh, awful. God. In the middle of, of the two of us, uh, we have someone who can appreciate context, art, uh, and subject matter, but at the same time does not necessarily find it to be the be-all and end-all for enjoying something that just hits him right in that little nostalgia spot. It's Steve, <sighs> I love the past, Murphy. Oh, right on the spot. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, uh, guys. How are the two of you? Collectively, I would say that we are fine. Is that right, Indivi- Lucas? Individually, I would say one of us is terrible, but the other is so good that it averages out to fine. Okay. Okay, and we're yeah. not going to... What's it like being that terrible? <laughs> and I'll, te- I'll let you guess which one's which. Okay. Okay, okay, yeah. Let's Steve's not... the terrible one. Okay, right, yeah, great, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, of course, on our quest to answer the question, what is music? So guys, what do you think music is? Music is an enjoyment of one's ear. Okay. Mm. Okay. Music is uh, Pablo Honey by Band Radiohead. Great. Okay. Kind of spoilers for the question I'm going to ask you after we've finished covering Pablo Honey, but we'll just we'll pretend music. that we haven't heard it. It is all okay. music, Adam. Yeah, but it actually is, though, isn't it? We know it is. So, As part of our quest to discover what music is we're going through the entire discography of british quintet radiohead uh, last week we talked about how they formed their early days as a band and their first musical release drill uh, today we're going to explore the recording process context and songs of radiohead's debut album pablo honey but before we get to the album we need to catch up with the band themselves and who better to catch us up than our our resident historian keeper of the law protector of the knowledge Lucas Way, where did we leave Radiohead? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just hanging out. Uh, <laughs> where we left them was probably in Oxford, I reckon. Okay. Whereabouts in Oxford were? <laughs> They'd signed a six-record deal mm. with EMI. Do you remember the condition of that deal? That they changed their name. Yes, that's right. What did they change their name to? <laughs> From... To Radiohead and from the Cinnamons. It's on a Friday. Yes. Fr- so by a shindig, if you remember. Oh, yeah. If they you remember that. That's even worse. <laughs> shindig is such an indie band name. I mean, probably because of the, sh- the shins. I'm probably just thinking of the shin. Maybe. Uh, and then they, they'd done that. They'd done a they'd done a bunch of e- they'd done a bunch of like demos mm. and actually had been offered like record deals off the back of that. Uh, but declined them because they wanted to go and study at school like good, good boys. Good, good boys. And they went to school and they did the school and they did studies. And did they all pass and do well? Yeah, I think so. Probably. Good. Well done. Uh, and then they, then they got signed and then they did, they done drill. Yeah, they did drill. They and they released drill. And it, 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 I'll tell you what, it charted at 101. 
Oh, well done. That's an incredible recording. This is so much easier when we recorded the episode yesterday. I know. No, don't, no it was last <laughs> week. <laughs> they weren't that happy with the EP. They went out on tour. They started recording their first uh, album and they headed out on, on the Creep Tour was what I left you with. Now that we've had some time to think about it, what do you think something called the Creep Tour would entail? I actually know, I actually know the answer to this one. It oh. had Tom York on it and he's famously a bit of a creep. Uh, no, yeah, it, it was to do with Tom York. Um, so this was uh, famously this is the tour that Tom York didn't tell um, any of the venues that they would be playing there. So like when another band was on stage, he had the members sort of sneak in mid set um, or creep, uh, if you will, um, onto stage, and 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 they would slowly chloroform each member of the band. Yeah, yeah. So like one at a time. So they take they over slowly, from the band like, while they were playing. Yeah, yeah, but like you wouldn't notice because they do it one at a time, um, and then eventually they they're Radiohead and they're playing Radiohead songs. We did, Adam did say that like there was a lot of shoegaze wow. music around the time, so it's very easy to slowly chloroform because they're just like there's just some looking... droney noise being played. So it and kind it, of the, right. the sustain would keep it going for a while whilst yeah. they gradually pass out, and then Johnny would just pick up the guitar and just like gradually kind of yeah, merge slowly. it into a yeah. Radiohead song, and everyone in the audience is gazing at their shoes so they don't know what's going on the stage, they don't, they don't notice because they're, looking they're just down, busy look, they? they're looking at yeah. their shoes that's it is that right no so oh. it's just oh. a, it's just a tour surrounding the release of the single creep steve i don't know why oh, yeah. <laughs> i don't know where i got that information from the creep yeah. tour it started on august 29th 1992 it encompassed sort of 56 gigs that were all in the uk it lasts until november the 29th 1992 it's all like university venues that's a, that's a really weird amount of storage like generally it goes in increments of of eight so you mm. think like you normally go like 64 gigs mm-hmm. or 32 gigs you wouldn't really get 56 gigs that's like a really <laughs> specific number that's on the okay computer tour unless unless that's unless that's like how much storage you've actually got usable after the os is installed on the 16 gigabyte device because, is that yeah. is because, that what happens because you're an idiot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so do university venues do they even like exist anymore yeah we played southampton uni didn't we yeah yeah steve that was a decade that was a decade ago mate. <laughs> over a decade oh, ago i think plus. oh no oh, yeah. no. oh yeah. no do they still exist uh adam if anyone here knows the answer to that question it's you mate because you are currently a performer i think it's all like it's all just like sponsored venues or bars now really isn't it isn't it all like so what you either play at like a local like the sort of venues you play at which is like a little independent like tiny ones tiny bar, venues. really small, small pathetic venues, pathetic venues. <laughs> or you or you play at like the brixton o2 which is now what is the name of the brixton academy because everything's owned by o2 like, or like the barclays arena or something arena as, oh, God, no. is that a real one <laughs> yeah that's a real one that's what the uh, that's what uh, the Staples Center is is now. It's the Crypto.com oh, really? Arena. It's no longer yeah, the Staples Center. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I don't know why I'm nostalgic for the fact <laughs> that it's lost the name of a different brand. <laughs> yeah, uh, giant stationery. But that's just that's, that's but that's just where like I knew the Lakers to play when I was a basketball. Yeah, player. exactly, exactly. Um, um, and they shared their space with the Clippers, which is, which is obviously my team. What you play for them? Yep. Wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, I presume, like, like example, near us, the Southampton Student Union had bands play there. Yeah, they don't of, anymore, though. I saw, like, We Are Scientists mm-hmm. there one time, sort of thing. Uh, like, that venue presumably still exists. Like, they didn't close the Student Union, have they? No, but they don't have bands there. I think they go instead to the Joiners or the 1865 is the newest one, right? Or, but, or the then, what, but then what or does play like. the Union then? Just, like, Disco DJs. Night, uh, Traffic Light Night, where you dress up in green if you're single. 
uh, amber if you're not sure, and red if you're taken. You know, those, those kind of things. Do you think anyone who's single goes out in red? Like, like I'm gonna, I'll show them. I'm actually not, and then doesn't realise they've they've they played themselves. Probably not. Like, Lucas, were you were you mad at uni? Were you just like was, a mad lad? I was mad. You know what? That, I was, so, I, was so men- I was so mental. I had a girlfriend from day one until the very end. Mm. That's mad. Fucking legend. <laughs> During this time of the tour, Pablo Honey was recorded at Chipping Norton Recording Studios in Oxfordshire between sort of September and November. Uh, the bulk of the album's done in in a short period of time, but there are some. Some satellite songs, as I call them. So the, the band were unhappy with the EP and there were issues around it being produced by their manager, if you remember. So they sought a different producer. Uh, and in the UK at the time, and looking for some bands to work with, were the producing duo Sean Slade and Paul Q. Coldery. And Radiohead were interested in working with them because they'd worked with Dinosaur Jr. and Pixies, who are both obviously big influences on Radiohead's sort of early sound. Steve Albini... Uh, who we've covered on the podcast briefly before, was considered because of his work with Pixies, but he didn't yet have that cultural cachet of having produced In Utero by Nirvana. That was still to come. Oh my God, this is pre-Nirvana being done. What else did he produce that we have covered? It is pre-Nirvana being done. That's so old. He produced Journal for Plague Lovers. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. And in utero, which is yet to come. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mad, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Weird. Mad. Uh, they were originally hired to just produce two songs, which EMI had earmarked as being the next potential Radiohead singles, which were Inside My Head and Lurgy. Uh, Lurgy appears on the album. Inside My Head, I played a clip of last, uh, the season before last. Um, uh, so you can go back and see if you can root around and see if you can find a clip of Inside My Head in the Muse season. Oh, okay. Probably around showbiz to say it sounds a bit like this, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah I can't, imagine, can't imagine it's during the drones episode. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. During the simulation theory era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd flip between the studio to record and touring for the gigs. Radiohead were quite sort of inexperienced in the ways of the studio, according to the producers. The producers also didn't like the choices of single. Uh, they'd signed on because they had a demo of Stop Whispering, which is quite melodic in a way that Inside My Head kind of isn't it's a bit more aggressive uh but but then i think that decision was made like the the studio and the manager's plan at this point is to kind of avoid the uk just to place them into a little bit in the context of time like we just said like pre in utero there's a huge shift in the uk music scene at this point um towards independent labels and indie bands and it's the start of the rise of Britpop, having spawned from like the late 80s new wave kind of stuff and really recently, Nevermind has changed the landscape of music, like, irrevocably. Um, just such a landmark so, album. So where are we right now uh, with regards to the Blur and the Oasis of it all? So this time? Blur will have had one album. Oasis wouldn't have started yet, I think. I think we're around 1992. I might be wrong about when Leisure oh, is. I, thought, I figured, like, uh, Radiohead were, like, slightly after that. They're before. They are, they are mad before. and yet didn't get sucked into it. Well, that's why they... Well, they kind of did. They kind of didn't. Uh, what, one of the... Oh, because they did that cover of Wonderwall for 10 mm. hours. There is, there is a Radiohead cover of Wonderwall, which I will play Fuck at some off. point. Yeah, yeah, Fuck, off. Yeah. Fuck, Fuck off. Fuck off. One of the biggest bands at the moment that we're with Radiohead at the moment is U2. 
who've just released Achtung, baby. Which you're convinced so, I'd love and I still haven't listened to. What was? I think we're we just going to gloss over. Gloss there's over another that one, music okay. podcast that pronounces it that way, and that's the okay, only way I can okay. pronounce it. Fine. Um, Is that do you two, I two, you two with the two? Are you two yeah, that's the one. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's the one. On that's it, the yeah. one you think I'd really like, right? But I've not listened. to Achtung, baby. Yeah, I reckon yeah. so. Achtung, baby, and I think you'd respond really well to pop as well. Um, I like pop music. Pop you do like dead. pop music, yeah. Well, Pop is, is dead. Is Pop dead, though? Oh, no. We'll get to that. Pop is dead. Uh, so the plan is American producers, more American sound, tour and push the band in America. But like I said, the producers don't really like those choices for singles. Uh, so anyway, they're rehearsing because the way that they record is insane. Well, it's insane to me, knowing about modern recording anyway. Um, one day in early September, Radiohead are playing in the studio, and Tom suggests that they play their Scott Walker song. Uh, are you guys familiar with Scott Walker? I don't want to seem silly, but no. Okay, that's fine. He's like a 60s... Insert joke about crisps. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walker's crisps. Yeah. yeah. So he's like a 60s musician who kind of turned towards the avant-garde, but he, he's, he's, he does quite dark, deep-voiced, Baroque kind of songs with strings, uh, and then he invented crisps. Uh, and... <laughs> Invented Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just the brand. No, it's an incredible yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. incredible career. Yeah. Um, so Tom says they want to... Uh, let, 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 let's play our Scott Walker song, uh, which they do. And then when Slade and Coldry uh, left the studio that evening, one of them remarked, it's such a shame that their best song is a cover. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, more rehearsals don't really pan out. The way they record is like the Beatles. Um, have we all watched Get Back? Yeah. So the way Radiohead record is multiple takes they'll just play the song together they'll play the song together they'll play the song together they're all recorded and they just pick the best one yeah so everything you so hear it's, on it's live i've not watched i've watched like one episode of get back i need to like watch it all it's that. really great it's really i great. kind of don't it's one of those things i don't want to watch it because then i don't have it to watch yeah yeah i don't know that feeling there's so much of it you're yeah, all right it's yeah, no, i've watched one episode i'm already like oh no i'm like that much percent of the way through yeah. i don't want it to be over <laughs> it's like it's like when it's like 9 p.m on a friday and you're like oh, weekend's basically over <laughs> on a friday oh mate i get i get weekend sadness very early wow oh, that's mad um so yeah the, the bulk of everything you hear on pablo honey is live cool um there'll, there'll be some slight overdubs and stuff like that but most of it is just them playing in a room together in the same way that the beatles recorded they idolized the beatles they kind of just wanted to be the beatles um the producers suggest that they record their Scott Walker cover just for like prosperity, I think. And Radiohead would, no, 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 it's not actually a Scott Walker song. We just call it that because it sounds like something that he might do. At which every, at which point, like everybody come, becomes a bit excited because they suddenly have this amazing song, and then also suddenly find out that it's an original. So they're like, right, yes, okay, let's record that then, please. And they record "Creep" in one take, and that take is the song they release as a single, and the one that is one of the most famous Radiohead songs. Yeah, when they finished recording, everyone in the studio burst into applause. <laughs> really? Yeah, which the producers said, we've never seen that happen before. The studio heads, when they heard it, just went insane, and so they released it as a single as soon as humanly possible. The album was not done, and they released Creep, and then instantly hired Slade and Coldry to produce the entire album rather than just two tracks. Creep is released on September the 21st, 1992. Uh, have a guess where it charted. Six. I'm going to say it didn't do very well to start with. I don't know. 30. 78 is where it peaked. Okay. 
Radio 1 banned it for being too depressing. <laughs> so, so they wouldn't play it. Uh, we'll talk more about the song itself when we get to the track-by-track track coverage of Pablo Honey. The album is then recorded in about three weeks, and those studio tensions mostly continued. Uh, Coldry has a good quote, which is, uh, they wanted to be the Beatles, and the mix had to have no reverb, and they had all the ideas they'd ever come up with in 20 years of listening to records. But they kind of... They find their way through it. The producers are quite experienced, obviously, and so they they aid Radiohead in finding the best way to record them. One is, obviously, to record them live. They're best when they're all playing together at the same time. And you can hear on certain tracks, the tempo changes. It will speed up and slow down. Does that yeah. stay? Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure we'll get to it, but it, that, that surely isn't the case on like later albums. It, it is. What, but there's so much shit going on. In Rainbows, almost all recorded live. Is that just Johnny being a legend and just doing all his shit live? No, it's it's just you'd be surprised how few parts there in there are in a Radiohead song. And yet live, he's on the, he spends most of the time on the floor twiddling knobs. So there must be quite a lot going on. That's true. <laughs> but that but that's because they've got to recreate something. Like like in, in Rainbows, the bulk of it is them playing together in a house. That's amazing. <laughs> it, Unbelievable. Um, one of the things they work out is that Tom sings better when he can't hear himself. Oh. So when he, so in his headphones, he has a special monitor mix to everybody else in, when they're playing, they, where they lower his voice right down so he can't hear it. It's buried in the mix because he belts more at that point and, it, you know, you get those very dramatic uh, vocals. Well, that's, that's true of everyone, isn't it? You know, the best way to hear yourself sing is singing along to someone else and mm. you're kind of just mixed in within their voice and you think, I sound great. Yeah, yeah, and also everyone sounds good in the shower because you have that white noise of the of the shower, like interfering with the frequencies. Ah. Uh, around this time, so towards the end of 1992, in Israel, army radio DJ Yoav Kutner, who's kind of the John Peel of Israel, uh, he begins playing "Creep" because he fucking loves it. Kutner fell in love with the song and played it repeatedly on, on, on the popular radio station. Israelis would hear it multiple times a day, and it became a huge hit just in Israel. Amazing. Uh, it would then be played on MTV Europe because of this success. That's the channel they would get in Israel, uh, which meant it spread a little through Europe at this point as well. There's tricklings of creep. There's a trickling creep. Uh, the album... Done and dusted before Christmas 1992. Around that Christmas, the enemy released a live review calling them a pitiful, lily-livered excuse for a rock and roll group. Uh, And then at the beginning of 1993, January 13th to be exact, they head out on tour. Uh, It's called the Pablo Honey Tour. Now, what do you imagine happens on on a tour called the Pablo Honey Tour? Uh, It's a tour where they play songs from Pablo Honey. I don't understand what else. No, they went around selling individual pots mm-hmm. of honey mm. to each individual member of the audience and they'd say for every uh, pot of honey sold we'll play one song it was like honey for a song thing yeah. but nobody bought any honey and they didn't play any songs in the entire time yeah it's a honey for a song thing you know that thing yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's a honey for a song you thing. know what I mean when it's I a say classic that. Yeah, yeah. honey for a song thing <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> The Pablo Honey Tour uh, is fucking huge. It's 128 dates and goes from January 1993 to December 1993. And as far as I can work out, that's the whole year. Lucas, you might be quite happy with that. 128 gigs. That's really good. His little face lit up. (laughs) That's better than 56 gigs. (laughs) We'll touch back on that later because obviously in the midst of all of that, 
Pablo Honey is released. But just before Pablo Honey is released, on February the 1st, 1993, they released Anyone Can Play Guitar as the pre-album single. Any guesses on where Anyone Can Play Guitar charts, bearing in mind Creep charted at 78? 84. Interesting. Although I am aware of the name of the song before I heard it. Uh, 106. 32. Okay. Charts higher than Also 32. Yeah, also a good good amount of gigs. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, And then Pablo Honey is released on February the 22nd, 1993. It's 12 tracks and 42 minutes long. Pause for Lucas. Just a little pause. That's fine. Okay. Okay. It's produced by Sean Slade and Paul Q. Caldery. Oh, no, that's too long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Two producers, too many. (laughs) many, Wait for this. This is going to blow your fucking socks off, Lucas. And Chris Hufford, uh, who did two of the songs that that, that Caldery and Slade didn't do. It's mixed by Sean Slade and Paul Caldery, mastered by Chris Blair at Abbey Road Studios. Uh, The artwork uh, is by Lisa Bunny-Jones. Very, uh, very interesting that I, I don't know that, that, that this band. I mean, the artwork is absolutely horrible, uh, but this band mm. constantly compared around the time to Nirvana for a number of reasons, and they have a baby on the album. Yeah, it's a little ba- little baby's face and some sweeties in a flower. A little interesting uh, correlation there. Yeah, um, sli- slightly interestingly, and I, I use the word interest. I mean, it's very slightly interestingly. Okay, Tom is credited as Tom E York because his middle name's Edward, and Johnny uh, is credited as John Greenwood. Tommy York. And it says music It says music by Radiohead, words by Tom, which is the only album that ever says that. Interesting. My first instinct for talking about this album is to be like, it's of its time. What do you think about that? Yeah, I guess, it, I guess it's got... Elements of some of the bands that are around at the same time. I don't know enough about who was around at the time because I just asked what Blair and Oasis were doing. Like I'm not, I'm not my my history, my timing. You know, my like my my chronology is probably not uh, good enough to kind of know what the contemporaries would have been at the time until you just told me. Fair enough. I, I, I for me, it's produced very much like an early '90s album that is trying to like straddle pop and. Alt rock, like what, like whom? Um, I guess like the later productions of Pixies when they become a little bit more shiny. I I, I find this to be a very confused album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think it kind of jumps around a bit. It doesn't necessarily know what it wants to be. I think it does still have like a vibe to it, though. Definitely, but I think sometimes that vibe is like, oh, these guys want to be Pixies, and but also they want to be you too. Yeah, uh, but also they want to be like a pop band, but also they want to be like an avant-garde rock band. I think that's quite uh, normal for a band just starting out their first album, maybe because maybe they still they don't know what they want to do. They've got all these ideas of song. I don't know because they came, they did like a couple of albums worth of demos before this, I suppose, didn't they? So, well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, hashtag justice for tell me, bitch. How it doesn't mm. appear on Pablo Honey, I've I've got no idea. Um, I, all of the stuff that we said, like it sounds really good on paper, but something just doesn't like come out in 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 practice. I think the compositions of the songs are quite rough, and the way they play at this point of their career is kind of that like wall of sound guitars with like all three of them creating like this weird barrage of noise with with not much deviation between uh, the guitar parts. Like some songs have eight guitars playing at once. Well, yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> You can't really tell How that. How do they like, do that if they do a lot of it just live in the studio? 
Well, the, so, so, so the core of it will be live, and then they go in and overdub some other stuff on top of it, yes. like the Beatles. Yes, they didn't have who? like strict. Oh, we're back. We're doing. We're doing are this. we doing that again? Okay. Oh, who? Okay. Who? Are the, who? Yeah. Who? The guy from Wings. Yeah, the guy from Wings. That's no, right. He wasn't in Who. But then you have all these like avant-garde touches, and then the the production is kind of quite irritatingly clean and shiny. Mm. It I is think. shiny, shiny. When you said that about the Pixies earlier. Uh, Sorry, Pixies. I added a the. Please, please, please. Oh, my God. Respect the the. Or lack of. Um, shiny's a really good word for it. Mm. There's, there's, there's some, like, elements of dirt, but... There are. and, and, and But it's, it kind of more comes from the dynamic. I don't know. I don't know how to sum it up, really. Like, the, the dynamics of the Pixies, the wall of sound of something like Dinosaur Junior or Sonic Youth... But then the clean, you have like loads of clean picking and a production of like a late 80s U2 record. And again, that all sounds really good on paper, but there's something about it that just doesn't, doesn't connect all, all, all the way. I don't know, Lucas, how, how did this album land with you? Um, you, I mean, you, I mean you, you kind of called it like last week and before we even started of like... I don't know if you're going to get along with early Radiohead. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to me, I mean, I mean, very similar to me to the Drill EP, just betterly produced and with some better highlights. The highs are higher, aren't they? Yeah. The highs are higher and there's, there's more glimpses into what the Radiohead that I expect to hear. Mm. Yeah. Like what I expect of a Radiohead. Uh, but still a lot of just guitar rock yeah i mean radiohead are at their heart a guitar rock band though well not anymore though are they that's the thing i would say that they kind of are in rainbows is very guitar heavy a moonshape pools very guitar it's not in the same way it's not just you know it's got that radioheadiness to it yeah i know what you mean i think i think the other thing is and and we'll talk about more about this when when we get on to the bends is that all of the stuff that we hear now or, or heard in the early 2000s that was like your standard rock stuff was influenced by the bends. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff that sounds like familiar in the total landscape of music, but Radiohead kind of were the originators of that sound. Um, I actually think their sound here is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it's the songwriting that lets it down a little. Like whenever there's like a longer instrumental section or a shift in mood from the music, I'm always like, it's kind of rules. <laughs> but yeah. the actual songs themselves are quite thin and pretty forgettable on, on the whole, I think. With, yeah, with, with, like... with some exceptions. Yeah, oh, there's, yeah. there's the odd yeah, moment. There's some exceptions, like, but... Bit throwaway. Yeah. But then there's the odd moment. It's like, this is fucking great. But mm. this, this album, Pablo Honey, will always be, to me at least, like the album with creep on you know i think it's um, to everybody to, yeah whereas to me uh i was like oh creeps off their first album well, yeah and, really? and I, I had that realization like fairly recently and i mean like you know several years back but like not not way back when but i knew it was an album that wasn't particularly held in high regard um i think i remember a conversation with you adam about it be it's like a real outlier outlier and particularly like disparate from the other albums um, so I was really interested to hear a different like, younger Radiohead, and well, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's a younger Radiohead because it's in the past. Um, yes, but like Lucas said, yes. there there really is seeds of the Radiohead to come in there, but their ideas are like maybe a bit more fragmented, and maybe it seems like they don't have a particular direction, like we said earlier. 
Go, going back in, in into the deep dive, this is the most I've I've ever listened to Pablo Honey. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how much of an outlier it, it almost wasn't. In a way, there, mm. there there are like bits of 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 the blueprint here. That, but you're right. The other thing is like, uh, Lucas, you and I were having a conversation because we 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 were talking about maybe getting. Um, uh, dear friend of the podcast Ed Budden on to talk about Radiohead because he he loves Radiohead and he was saying oh and he's got a take as well which is that the first Radiohead album isn't really you know anything it wasn't in first it wasn't in first it was uh it was first few I think no he said from the Benz onwards and the, Benz, the Benz is the second album, album. <laughs> ah, right okay but he said it's not really worth listening to and you're like isn't you kind of propositioned that as like an interesting take but that is very much the, the take, take. Yeah, I think it, it is that people class Pablo Honey as maybe maybe lesser in 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 the canon just, just, of Radiohead. Just dismiss his opinion. Yeah, I'm just going to dismiss uh, Ed's mm. opinion. <laughs> and, and it was at that point that I decided it wasn't worth talking to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's why you didn't come to my wedding because you knew yeah. he'd be there and you yeah. might have to have a conversation. I with wanted him. to avoid the awkward conversation about Radiohead's Pablo Honey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out for any listeners that uh, like. Uh, are more familiar with us that I couldn't go to Lucas's wedding because I had the COVID nineteen virus. I just I just want to point that out. Yeah. Uh, rather than like I just didn't go. The thing that Adam doesn't know is I let like four or five other people come despite having COVID. Oh I just no! Like, come on. I, I thought with Adam I was like, well, there's my out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, mm. shall we start with the album? Yeah. Shall we start at the beginning of the album? Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Obviously, we covered that song on the last episode because it was it was the third track on on Drill. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is so much more robust, and there's there's extra riffs and stuff, right? Yeah, I loved it on the EP. I love it here. You're right. There is a few differences. Like one that really stood out is his big belting high note is different and somehow better because it really shows off. What did that journalist say that he had like a pitch bender stuck in his throat? Are we talking about the the long note at 145? Mm, Uh, Can I I play it? Because I just love hearing it. Yeah, all right. Longer than I had even remembered. Yeah, same. <laughs> it just keeps going and going. You're right, it's just a much more fleshed out version of that song, isn't it? 
Robust was good. You're good with words sometimes. The guitars are more powerful. The drums are more dramatic. There's now lyrics over the groove section of the drill version, yeah. which is the you, me, and everything caught in the fire. That wasn't in the uh, the, the, the the EP version. And then there's little things. Like instead of... Uh, I actually... Did, I don't think I mentioned it in the last episode, but there's a classic, like, we're a young band in a studio thing on the EP, which is before the first guitar kicks in on you, there's like a reverse cymbal, where they've clearly just hit a cymbal and it goes... Yeah. But here it's a harp. It's like a harp type sound. You can hear like descending oh. as it goes in. Uh, oh, wow. The dynamic between loud and quiet is much more apparent. In general, there's lots of feedback and stuff going on in the background. And uh, things that just make it a bit more atmospheric. But I think it goes some way... Uh, you know, we've discussed outside of the podcast, why do an EP if it's just got songs that you're going to cover on the first album anyway? I think for Radiohead, it's really important to see how they hone songs because what we're going to see over the course of their career like as we already know on our imaginary pin board with red string and everything we've already got high and dry that's been a song for like four or five years at this point um and they just take ages to hone and hone and hone and hone nude from in rainbows is a song first heard live in 1996 so yeah they they just take (laughs) ages to like figure out what they want to do with a song Uh, and, and i think that that starts immediately that like that, that starts here on, on the first album. Um, I'm assuming you don't have any massively drastic takes about you that we've already heard, other than I'm assuming that you both kind of just generally prefer this version. Yeah. Yeah. It's better because it's betterly. Get better. Betterly. 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 I, I like wasn't going to bring it up the first time. Utterly betterly. Etterly betterly. Mm. <laughs> it's betterly produced. Uh, <laughs> and so I prefer it. But it's still, it's still ultimately, it's, it's still ultimately only like an okay song, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, do we want to address the showbiz of it again? This sounds exactly like something from showbiz, unless know, I'm going absolutely just mental. Off showbiz. They're they're ripping off Muse for a start. Yeah, yeah, okay. and it's pathetic uh, at this point to be to be you know. And, and out of all the people to rip off, why would you rip off Muse? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who are just a Radiohead rip off band? Yeah, exactly. Why would you rip off them? Why would you rip Radiohead? off a band that's already ripped off you? Yeah, unbelievable. What this song? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love Radiohead to release wait. a new. I love Radiohead to release a new album in 2023, and it genuinely is like a real Muse ripoff. Oh, it sounds like, like drones really like, or something. It really sounds like Muse, like the Muse that doesn't sound like Radiohead, which is most. It comes uh, full circle, and they do that, and everyone's like, "What fucking Muse ripoff?" <laughs> yeah. Do you do you see the similarities, Lucas, or, or are they two separate uh, separate things for you? I guess it sounds similar to the songs on showbiz that I don't rate as much. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, to go into it, apart from a couple of tracks on this, I don't think there's, I think there's more interesting. I mean, like you say, it's probably easy for me to say this because it was, they've, they've been able to be influenced by Radiohead. Radiohead did it first. Yeah. But I think there's some more interesting songs on showbiz than on this. That's probably fair because Muse try and go into that area of prog a little bit more, don't they? And you can have a discussion about whether they're sort of uh, like, uh, whether or not they succeed at that but i suppose what there is is like there's two things muse uh they were able to take influence from okay computer like there's a big okay yeah. computer influence on, on Muse. so, so muse are, are way in way in the future and, and taking influence from from lots of aspects of of this band yeah, this, and, you, and you can't bands. really compare but, the thing that they ripped off <laughs> but the blueprints are pretty identical, I think, especially on this album where they talk about being fed up of your hometown and wanting to get out of it and talking about modern technology. And obviously Tom York and Matt Bellamy's voice are, are sort of quite similar. And I don't know, there's just something about the tone that, that I find quite similar. Am, am I going mental, Steve, or is that there for you? 
I really see it. Yeah. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we've talked about influencing bands and hey, why not? But yeah, it, this one especially, like, well, no, there's, there's select tracks off this that have, have got so much similarities to, to the showbiz of it all. Yeah. And and I don't think anybody has ever really sat down and has gone, God, I think Pablo Honey sounds like showbiz. The only reason we're mentioning it here is because we've covered both albums now and it's worth... I, I, I have lots of little comparisons to other artists we've, we, we've already covered through, through this season. Yeah, it's a Mannix one a bit. Oh, okay. I've not, I've not got yeah. Mannix. That's really? Okay. We got, we got the same one then. It's fine. No, we've we've the same and, there's, and, and there's the fact that Creep sounds exactly like Billie Eilish. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it's I creep mean, by Radiohead, yeah. There's like, this is a really difficult one, I think, to discuss on the podcast. It's a bit like a design for life. There's yeah. so much we can talk about and there's nothing we can add. I've never considered creep because it's just creep by Radiohead. Where uh, pretty much every band bar Radiohead, not <clears throat> bar Billie Eilish, has had a song like that. that we've gone, well, it's, yeah, it's Plug In Baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's design for it's, life. It's a design yeah. for design life. For yeah, like you just go, yeah, well, it's, that's creeping it. But like yeah. this just jumps straight off the the page that is this album. That's a new phrase I'm a. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The page of the on album. On the fly. Yeah. The page that is this album. It, it jumps straight off because it, it's creep. It's creep on this album. So like it doesn't fit on this album at all. I mean, it's creep, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But do you, do you agree? Like it doesn't fit. But I agree I'm, that it's th- creep. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, by Radiohead, Creep. Um, yeah, and I can tell that from the artwork. because I can tell that the album oh, is, is is by Radiohead because it says Radiohead on the front. And if I turn it over, track yeah. two, it says Creep. There you go, that'll do yeah. it. Um, it seems like it doesn't fit at all, but maybe that was a, the way it was recorded, right? Because you said that they just had this song and they recorded that first and then they did everything. Is that right? What did you say earlier? Like, it was almost separate. It, it, was, it was one of the first things recorded, but I also think that it, it benefits from being uh, having the full single production. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're still in an era uh, where albums will have their singles slightly better produced than the rest of their, you know, more He's attention mad. is paid to, to the radio uh, head singles. Uh, I mean, I think this is great. 
uh, I think it's so like arch and funny. It's like it's over the top, but because like it's funny because it's so serious. I've never thought it was funny. Your skin makes me cry. <laughs> I mean, that is a good <laughs> line. Isn't and, it? and also, just the line "I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's actually quite a shit line. It really is. Yeah. Tom hates the lyrics to this. He thinks they're rubbish, and they are. It's so it's such a funny song. Um, the thing is, is is I think the answer is yes, it is. But is this like better than most of the tracks in the album and stands out and that's why it's like known and regarded? Or are we just nostalgic for it because it was the song that got big and now we know it because it's Creep? Yes and no. Like, bit, a bit of both. Um, I, don't, I don't really like Creep. Oh, that's mad. Um, I just think it's a bit dull. Like in, until the end when it kind of gets bigly. What is that? No, betterly. Mm. I don't know, whatever yeah. it was he said. Like, I think it is a bit dreary. Um, I'm not trying to have like some mad hot take on it, but like when I considered the song, like of course you'd you'd hear it in if you're out and you'd be like eh, singing along and it'd be amazing if I saw it live. I nearly saw it live, but didn't I? But you know, I fucking didn't. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But I don't think it, I don't think it's like a bad song. I just don't I just don't really enjoy. It. I think maybe also because I wanted to hear new music, and so when I put this on, I was like, oh, God, that's creep. Oh, I've heard creep. that. Yeah, can't. Yeah. yeah, because it is creep. Because you know it is. Because if you turn over the album, track two is. Is it you? No, it's Creep. Oh, it's Creep. And then you turn it back to the front and you go, it's by Radiohead. <laughs> um, Lucas, do you, do you, similar to Steve, or do you, do you kind of respond to this song? Do you like this song? No, I think it's a great song. It's a great song, but, yeah. But I don't know how much of it is just, nostal- you know, how much of it is potentially nostalgia or, or like... Nostalgia. You know, that well, sort here's, of thing. Here's the interesting thing, is that I think Steve is kind of on the side where, like... He doesn't particularly like it, but will probably acknowledge that it's a huge song for Radiohead yeah. and it is oh, ingrained yeah. in culture in some way. Yes. Lucas, you are responding to it, but aren't necessarily aware of the way that it's ingrained in culture. But I am. And I know how big Creep is. Sure, sure, sure And I know sure. that Radiohead don't like it. But may- maybe, not to the, maybe not to the extent that it actually was. And I think that is speaking to the fact that both are true, is that some people have a huge nostalgia for this song because it spoke to them when it came out, and some people just think it's like a fucking great song. Um, it, it, it became such an alternative an- uh, anthem amongst the same people who liked those early slacker songs like Smells Like Teen Spirit and Loser by Beck. And those three are often mentioned in the same breath, especially in America. It's Creep, Smells Like Teen Spirit and Loser. Right. I mean, I was going to say, though, like context-wise, at the time, I can I can imagine why it was so huge. I think it really probably spoke to a lot of people that felt like outsiders, outsiders and maybe people weren't catering too much to those people when it was released yeah which is exactly why grunge took off in the way it did right right exactly so like when this song comes on and it's saying although we we've said the lyrics are a bit yeah um you know it's saying i'm a weirdo like what the hell am i doing here it's that feeling of being completely out of place and i i do not belong like with these people and so i can kind of see why it probably really resonated with a lot of people um at the time there are so many stories around the creation of Creep just because uh, it's one of those legendary songs. You know, it's it, we, we've covered that they thought it was a cover at one point, but one of the most famous bits of the song, and Steve, you were saying like, it was kind of boring, maybe there's nothing remarkable about it. I think the thing that sets it apart from the, any other song, and it's something that people have copied since... And that maybe that's why we're like, oh, it's not remarkable here. But the big sugar, sugar. I mean, I do like that bit. The huge guitar hits and just the amount of distortion in the chorus. It's so loud, isn't it? It's pretty novel, 
for for like a song around this this time. Um, uh, according to some reports, it was Johnny trying to ruin a song he didn't really like. Right. Uh, he just wanted to <laughs> obliterate the chorus with dead notes and distortion, which of course became the most t- uh, distinctive and dramatic part of the song. Except maybe for Tom's bridge with those like hysterical high notes. You know, she runs, runs. You know that that bit, um, which is a direct steal. Uh, this is the only song on the album that has a different writing credit. It's usually music by Radiohead, words by Tom. This is also written by Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood because they wrote a song called The Air That I Breathe, most famously performed by the Hollies. Um, When Radiohead wrote this song, they kind of came up with the bulk of the arrangement and then Ed noticed that the same four chords that repeat throughout the whole song, and it is just four chords, the the verse and the chorus, they're the same chords all the way through the song. He noticed they were the same as the air that I breathe. So Tom just said, okay, I'll just do the air that I breathe for the bridge then. And he did. Uh, Because... Because Radiohead were honest about stealing it, uh, Hammond and Hazel would take a much smaller cut of the royalties than they would if they would have had to have sued someone over it. Is Albert Hammond in any way related to Albert Hammond Jr.? Yes, from the stroke? that's his son. Oh, that's nice. Yes, yes, nepotism, lovely. Um, yeah. The- <laughs> <it's nepotism. laughs> here's, 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 we're going to compare them because I think it is remarkable. Uh, here, here's the bit in Creep. <laughs> And now here is um, the air that I breathe uh, by the Hollies. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. There you go. A very, very famous song. So the song that they thought was a cover that turned out not to be a cover actually turned out to be a cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can hear the din, din, din. It's even got a rhythm that's similar. Yeah, it right? does. Yeah, the bass is, yeah. It has, has that similar similar rhythm. Um, like I say, like, there's so much to say about this song, really. Like the, the piano at the end, there was supposed to be a piano through the whole thing, but then they mixed it and they made a mistake and only left it in at the end and they liked the result and they left it uh, that way, uh, which is not the last time in Radiohead's career that a mixing mistake will lead to a decision made for a song. Uh, speaking of mistakes, did you notice that it slows down when the first verse starts? Maybe, yeah. That that rings a bell, yeah. Very, very slightly, when Tom starts singing, everything slows down and the drum has to find its tempo again. Just another little sign that there's no click tracks. They're playing live in, in, in the studio. Um, just something that I think gives the music a very sort of like analogue feel that sets it apart from like music of today which is very digital quantized locked down and steve i guess this time you would be right in saying that one of their earliest songs is the biggest yeah you've said it for muscle museum yeah their biggest song you said it for ocean eyes her biggest song and this yeah. time it's true right yeah you is their biggest song and i tell you what for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> speaking of muscle museum the chukka chukka really reminds me of muscle museum 
Oh yeah, yeah. Dun-dun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of a similar sort of thing. Like right before the chorus, you get the big two hits uh, on, on on the guitar. What's the song about, guys? Being weird. It is about being a little weirdo, isn't it? About being a yeah, creep. Yeah. Weird boy. <laughs> yeah. little, really fucking... easy to determine what this mm. song is about. <laughs> uh, Tom had a, an, an interesting um, quote. Uh, he said just after releasing uh, the song, he said, I have a real problem being a man in the 90s. Any man with any sensitivity or conscious toward the opposite sex would have a problem. To actually assert yourself in a masculine way without looking like you're in a hard rock band is a very difficult thing to do. It comes back to the music we write, which is not effeminate, but it's not brutal in its arrogance. It's one of the things I'm always trying to assert a sexual persona and on the other hand, trying desperately to negate it. And I think that that kind of sensitive quote is the direct opposite to things that we've heard from obviously the deliberately um media baity manic street preachers uh and also the opposite of maybe some of the stuff that we heard matt bellamy say around the release of their debut album about you know how you're you're not a real man if you don't want to sleep with loads of women and, and all sorts of like that stuff yeah which is interesting that at the time we said oh well, it's just part of the time and part of the culture and yet here we have tom york in the early 90s showing everybody how it's done the other famous thing about this song is that Radiohead all but disown it, basically. Yeah. Because it was so big, so much bigger than the album it was on. They felt that they were judged by this one song and felt that they were more than this song uh, and felt that they had to move on from the song. And there's there's years where they don't play Creep and it's only just they're only just coming to terms with it, I, I think. Which is why I find so hilarious that the one time I've seen Radiohead, they opened, they opened with creep. creep. But that is quite a funny thing that they they did there, right? Because it was their first time in like oh in thirteen years playing Reading Festival, which is the quote unquote rock festival, and so they open with Creep because they're no longer like they're no, no really longer like a rock band. So they open with their big rock song. That's quite funny. Uh, did me and you had tickets to see Radiohead like later, didn't we? And I couldn't go for some kind of reason. You couldn't go because our mutual friend Joe was unwell. That was it. Yeah, we had we had tickets. He, to did the, you go? I went. Yeah. To, to oh, the, cheers! The, cheers to the solidarity. Well, you guys had <laughs> you guys had uh, you you guys had seats. I mean, I I've made dr- dramatic life decisions based on Radiohead. I'm not gonna. You know, the the whole reason I'm not living in South Korea right now is because Radiohead deigned to play Glastonbury in 2017. What is this fact? <laughs> we'll talk about that another okay. day. Maybe we'll talk about that. <laughs> you, you mean I nearly lost I, my Adam? I remember, I remember when you were talking about moving to South Korea. Yeah, and then Radiohead announced they were playing Glastonbury in 2017. And went, right, that knocks that on the head. Then. <laughs> Wasn't it that you realised you'd gotten the wrong one? You meant North. Yeah, I wanted to go to North and yeah, they wouldn't yeah. let me. I wanted yeah. to They wouldn't defect. let you until you just sacked off the whole trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think that so much of the understanding of Radiohead in the general public comes from Creep. Mm-hmm. Okay, like because, miserable nineties yeah. rock band, right? Yeah, and the and the so obvious lyrics of oh, "I'm weird." Yeah, exactly. So like, it's like, oh, that's the weird band, isn't it? This one song probably put off a whole load of people, and I bet they fucking loved that. <laughs> I mean, probably now you know? at at the time, I think they were desperate for fame and success. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just to go back to the specifics of the song, it's also probably like the first example. Well, I've not heard all of the demo tracks, but it's one of the first examples of what becomes a fairly standard Tom 
thing, which is a lot. There's a lot of falsetto going on. The yeah. high voice, yes. The high voice. He's very uncomfortable with that at this point, and you can hear numerous tracks on this album where he's trying to sing really low and gruff, and he messes up his voice a little bit. I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be. <laughs> oh God, I hate it so much. We'll get to Same. it. We'll get to it. But the um, it's it, it's when he sees he sees Jeff Buckley on tour while they're recording the bends and goes, oh, it's okay for me to sing that high and still have still have it be powerful and still have it be. Like he was saying in that quote, that dichotomy of masculine and feminine, like, and, and he felt it was okay to do that. And then he just went straight into the studio and wrote Fake Plastic Trees. And wow. that's how he sung it, like in, in, in that high voice. Um, little tidbit on this song, and then we'll move on to the next one. This is currently still the most streamed song that was released in 1992. There you go. Huge, massive song. Mm, big song. How do you find uh, like depressing songs like that, Steve? What, so obviously like... How do you mean? Okay, never mind. And it doesn't matter. Lucas, how do you? Fucking hell. No, you didn't like that? Would you like it? Yeah, I did now. So it's, it's Manix. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a song for the Manix on Pablo Honey, isn't it? From, <laughs> the, from the Generation like, Terrorist era. It sounds like maybe like Generation Terrorist, maybe like Gold Against the Soul. Is this like, what you guys think the Manix sound like? This is like, early, I, this is early Manix, yeah. It, obviously, that Manics. never hit me at all. Oh, really? <laughs> it's yeah. the first thing I thought of. Yeah, same. Can I just listen to the intro again? Sorry, really quickly. Now you've said it, I want to hear it. Imagine it, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you told me that was like a like a demo or like an A side from somewhere between Generation Terrorist and Gold Against the Soul era, I'd be like, "Yep." Interesting. Right. Of course, released around the same time. Yeah. Well, it's because they actually just stole. Sure. Oh they like God. found a little notepad and would like, "Let's just should we just steal the song?" And did. I, I would have never have guessed this was Radiohead if you just said, "Well, who's this?" I wouldn't have said it. Oh, it doesn't really even like, sound like Tom, does it? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh it's, 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 Zed singing, isn't it? It's interesting that you said, Lucas, like uh the last song, like the first thing uh, the first time you're hearing like the falsetto and we talked about like the evolution of that and his voice and how he messes up his voice. Now this is like the messiest voice uh on the album, right? He's been a twister. Ugh. It's all it's all like that sort of stuff and he goes, ah, 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 ah. No. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does all of that stuff. Um I, I quite like that they're happy to be non-melodic. Uh, this feels the the thing that this really reminds me of is the version of "Thinking About You," which was on the EP. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because I guess these yeah. are like their only two like punk songs, right? Yeah, it's very much a punk song. Like it's just so jarring after Creep, which is which is produced yeah. so differently. Yes. And this is what I mean about the single uh production. Like this is mixed so poorly in, in comparison to Creep. Uh but it's also enormously apparent because it's sandwiched between two singles. The next song, Stop Whispering, is another single. So in between uh, the two like really nicely produced songs, you've got this little shit kicker sort of thing going on. Yeah, I mean, I like 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 the the piano stabs in it, and like the weird radio noises and voices and and sort of distortion seeping through in the end in, in lieu of like a solo. Um, a bit more of that experimental edge coming through. Yeah, and that's quite cool. But like hearing the voices, it sounds like there's a voice clip, and therefore it's Maddox again. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it is a voice clip. Yeah. Um. It's it's recordings of. Have you heard of the Jerky Boys? No. They used to release they, it's records. Like, right. It's like a stage show. Ooh, Lucas, that was that's, brilliant. That's the Jersey Boys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> These guys, the Jerky Boys, they release records of them doing like prank phone calls. Oh, that does ring a bell. Yeah, which Tom York like loved. And the clip they use in this includes the phrase "Pablo, honey, please come home to Florida," um, which is the album title. Pablo, okay. honey, please come uh, home to Florida. I don't believe it has any other meaning than that. Pablo, honey, what is it? Who cares? Uh, <laughs> is it political? This song, Steve? Do you think, Lucas? Do you think it's really political? This song. I have no idea what it's about. No, have a go. He's a stupid he? baby. He's a stupid baby who turned into a John powerful Major. freak. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who was in power at the time of, uh, in, in the beginning of 1993? John Major. Was it? You it's fucking a, love John Major. Say, this, is your, <laughs> this is your time to shine. You bring right. up John Major so uh, uh, often. Uh, uh, he's <laughs> definitely not. He definitely wasn't either. He was the prime minister. From 1992. Yeah. Yeah, so that's right. Onwards. Yeah. Yeah, so you're probably Johnny right. Mage. The, the uh, it's major. about someone who has a lot of power, right, I guess. He lives with his mother, but we show him respect. He's a dangerous bigot, John major. but we always forget. <laughs> you know, there's there's lots of stuff going on like that. You do love John Major. You love um, him. He steals and he bullies any way that he can. He's a stupid baby who turned into a, to a powerful freak. But how do you? I don't know what he's talking about. But it seems like he's grasping for something, right? Yeah. Like, let's make a song that's angry about something. I don't know what it is. Authority, right? Yeah. The thems. Power. Yeah, the the, the thems, the theys and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. ripping off Muse again? Just talking about them. Travelling into the future, stealing Muse's stick, and travelling back into the past with it. And then just doing a song about a mysterious they, he. Unbelievable. Like, come on. Unbelievable. I will say they didn't make a whole career out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't rate this one. I mean, the only thing that was no, that really was like, uh, that, that I did rate was that it, I was like, oh, it sounds like Mannix. That was like the most notable thing about it. And yeah, it has some weird like, which is something. Yeah, it's not something in it. It's just it's just something. It's not good. It's just something. It doesn't fit the story of Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of their biography. It's not good. It's just something. The story of Radiohead. (laughs) Forward by Bob Dylan. Sure. (laughs) By Shaking Stevens, who called it lovely stuff. I mean, none of us really like this song, do we? No. It's the weakest on the album, probably. Uh, 
No, 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 don't. I mean, I, I wouldn't oh. say it's the worst thing on the album, though. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. So at least I have. A, it gets an on mensch. <laughs> at least I have some thoughts on it because it sounds like Manix, and you and know, we've managed to talk about it for a few minutes. Some of the later ones I can't talk about for a few minutes. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's like bad. There are probably good songs that I have nothing to say about it, but I just vibe to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like th- th- this one just uh, upsets me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> It's because it reminds you of John Major. It is, yeah. I hate John Major. I bet now we'd love to have a bit of John Major as a PM. Oh, can you can you imagine? I'm nostalgic for the days of David Cameron, Lucas. Let yeah. John Major. David Cameron be would be a great shout right now. <laughs> uh, Do you know what else would be a great shout? Just a piece of shit on the end of a stick. It's a piece of shit in power on the end of a stick, and someone has to hold up the stick when for Prime Minister's questions. <laughs> Wave the bit of shit. Steve, you're describing what's happening now. Right now, the bag of shit would get my vote. And, and everyone behind the bag of shit just, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, it's splattering on fucking Jason Reese, Jacob Reese Mogg's face. Compared to the last track, much more in that vein of of the melodic, anthemic, arena rock. Uh, We were just saying as it was playing, sounds a lot like 80s U2. Oh, I just, it makes me melt and I melt when I hear it. Does it make you think of driving to a beach? No, not really. With a, yeah, does it, with (laughs) a, and with a, with some mates. Are you going to talk about having beers around the campfire or something? Again? Yeah, but this time there's an FM radio because Which it's I'm, in simpler I'm times. Sure. I've got a battery-powered FM radio. You're describing a beer advert. I'm in a beer advert like I used <laughs> to be. I used to be in advert. a beer advert in the 90s, and that's why I'm nostalgic. <laughs> why is it the 90s? Why do you want to be in the 90s? Oh, the 90s was a better time. Do you remember John Major, Lucas? <laughs> yeah. John Major. John Major was in power. Johnny Mage. People were It's not their 90s. They had, they had John Major... John Major, they had Radiohead. Yeah, yeah. and then we had a bloody had old, we had old Tony, didn't we? A yeah. bloody Tony. Yeah. We'd never so see the likes we again. Starburst were called Opal Fruit. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, we did. We did. We had all of those things. And we, yeah, and we also had Stop Whispering uh, by Radiohead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has uh, kind of like a simple uh, groove to it. It has uh, Tom harmonising with himself. I, I suppose... Worth pointing out that the only vocals you will hear on a recorded Radiohead song is Tom, uh, with one exception. But all backing vocals when recorded are, are, are Tom, except for on one song. 
I do like the way it builds as it goes, Steve. It gets big and big and big and big and big, doesn't it? And there's yeah. that like instrumental section that's really like full of atmosphere at the end, and Tom's like incredible scream uh, at, at, at the end as well. Um, yeah. So apart from the beach and the campfire and the beer advert, <laughs> what else did you like about this song? No, but like that that aside, that bit aside, like it just has a lovely feeling of yearning in the entire song. Um, mm. it, it, I just wasn't expecting. At this point in the album, I was like, oh, my God, is this album going to be great? Am I going to really like this? Because I just think this is such a wonderful song. But, like, it, yeah, it has this sort of breakdown in the, in the in the middle. It almost has this, like, Blink-182 riff. I mean, I made a Blink-182 comparison last week. You did. And I was like, And whenever we talk about a band a lot, they're usually the next season. So bear that in mind, listeners. Uh Blink, you blink, you miss it. Um, yeah, but yeah, blink, I mean, it, it just blink got and totally I miss you. Like, yeah, I, I blink and I miss. You. That's very yeah, good. Yeah, it's the song. Yeah, yeah it's the oh one God. song I know yeah, by the yeah. by title. Yeah, yeah, you must know more than that. I know. Uh, Damn it! Where are you? What's that one? That's, that's blink, I one miss you. That's <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Great. But yeah, like this got so, totally stuck in my head. Just, just the stop whispering, start shouting bit. Like, oh, did you manage to get it out? No, it's still in there, man. Yeah, especially now we've played a clip of it. Mm, yeah, um, I really like the lyrics to this one, and the, like the thin man and the the wise man. Yeah, the wise man. man and the thin man saying, "I don't want to hear your voice." And yeah, the, the, uh, and the mother say, "We spit on your son some more," and the buildings say, "We spit on your face some more." It's really uh, interesting. Like it's it's yeah, some sort of image, isn't it? I like, dear sir, I have a complaint. It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> this is that's my favourite bit. It's such a funny. Like, because the song is like kind of about standing up for yourself in the face of adversity and and like the world is against you. That's what I took from it, right? Like the wise man says, I don't want to hear your voice. Um, We spit on your face some more and you've got to stop whispering and start shouting. Uh, But but then there's that funny, like the dear sir, (laughs) I have a complaint is like the futility of like complaining politely. But it also makes me think of like customer service. (laughs) Like, (laughs) dear sir, I have a complaint. I can't remember what it is. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, And it's the first signs for me of Radiohead being very in touch with 90s society and technology and the general... There was such a general ennui of the 90s because in terms of society at large, ignoring pockets of stuff, especially in the Western white culture, life was good in the 90s. Pre-2001, life was pretty good, which is why you see such a proliferation of conspiracy theories, uh, like conspiracy theory movies, apocalyptic movies, right? Like all the stuff like the American version of Godzilla... Deep Impact and Armageddon, uh, Dante's Peak, all of those '90s movies is because life is great, uh, and you know, like so, so, so the movies have to reflect this fantastical sort of like uh, thing where, where where the world is crumbling. Now that the world is crumbling, all of our movies are fantastical sci-fi superhero soap yeah. operas to distract us from that. But we also still love a disaster movie. We do love a disaster movie, but we've not seen Moonfall. <laughs> I haven't seen Moonfall. No, I love so much that Roland Emmerich has just does one thing. Yeah, he's just really leaning into. He's it. He's built a whole career on just 
I just destroy the earth. Yeah, and it started in it started in the nineties, right? With uh, with Independence Day. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. just mad that how is he still doing it? So there was this like general ennui in the nineties, and it's why we had the X Files as well, which was so like deep into oh something's going on in the government because we were able to explore that stuff because times were generally okay with this darkness bubbling underneath it, and I think Radiohead do a really good job of of tapping into the undercurrent of darkness that's bubbling beneath of the 90s. Uh, and this is this is just a little first little glimpse into that for me personally. Lucas, I think you on some level responded to the anthemic nature of this. I don't mind it. It's I think it was a lot of these songs, a lot of the ones that I even the ones that I think are like on the better side. I'm still large like but it's okay. Mm. And I know that there's potential here. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I, because I'm not coming into this blind, where I, I don't, I know nothing like Manix, but I'm not coming in knowing everything already like there was with Muse. Mm. I'm in this weird position where I know what's to come, and I'm just backfilling my knowledge. I can just hear the potential of like, oh yeah, this would be a band that will do some really great songs, like in a, in a, in this kind of vein, but, but improved. And so a lot of the ones that I think are good are like, yeah, it's fine and good. Like, looking forward to the next couple albums, maybe. The, the blueprint is there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not like, fuck yeah, I'm sticking how do you. Nope, stop whispering <laughs> on the playlist, you know? I uh, do any songs from this album reach, uh, of course, for new listeners, Lucas has a fabled, or fabled at this point, mm. uh, playlist where just the songs that he enjoys and would stick on of a day get added to the Radiohead playlist in, in, in this case. Uh, any songs from this album going into the playlist? It's more myth at this point, isn't it? Rather it's than more fable. myth than fable. It's, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Because we'll rank it up through is it through myth and into fabled you start at brave no you start at guardian and then you go brave oh no is mythic Mm. yeah i can't remember mythic or fabled fabled then then you got legend after fabled no it's not i think it comes no it's not i'm I'm sure fable because in order to get the recluse didn't you just have to reach fable just had to get fabled talking about destiny too yeah that's when you that's when you could go back ranks if you lost so it was really quite difficult at the time yeah, yeah, Shut it, was, up. it was. Yeah, Shut can you not up. go back ranks anymore? No, just go forward, mate. My oh, my thanks, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I don't like you two. <laughs> what well, the last song then? Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about you, your red cooter here, your eyes on my wall, your teeth are there, but I'm still no one, and you're not star. What do you care? Been thinking about you, and there's no rest. Should I still love you? Still see you in bed, but I'm playing with myself. What you can when the other men are far, far better. All the things you got, all the things you need. You bought your cigarettes, you bribed the company to come and see you, honey. 
we cracked this wide open on the last episode. This uh, this this song about wanking. Yeah, I mean, they they decided to give a, a song about wanking over a pop star. It's been they thought we need to give this a much sweeter version of a song, stripped back acoustic with nice little strings on. You see, I find this version sadder. It, it is because it is there sadder. is something sad about having a wank to a poster of a pop star. Yeah. <laughs> And this is quite sad. What, what, what do we think of the treatment of, of, of the song this time around? Whenever I do it, I'm, I'm quite sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, instantly. instantly. But you have to be crying to climax, don't you? <laughs> so that's that frisson. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, just looking at Enrique Iglesias' face makes me cry. That's who I. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah, it takes it takes uh, it takes all kinds. What do you guys think? He of can this? be my hero, baby. Um, I I I, <laughs> I I do prefer the EP version of this. If I'm totally honest. Um, mm. Yeah. If you're IMO, really, like, you're I think it fits on the album more here. Like I wouldn't have wanted that version here. It would have fit with How Do You, maybe. Because mm. they're quite similar treatment. But then maybe you can only do one of those on an album. Yeah, know? maybe. Or just I, mu- I much prefer this. I think the song works way better when it's, when it's sadder. Yeah, I guess so. I think I just like... Because I, I, I I'd, I'd listen to this and then I'd go back to the other one a couple of times to, to compare them. Um, and I enjoyed it more. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is better for the song. And also better for the album because coming out of Stop Whispering into this is very good. Yeah, that's true. That does work, doesn't it? Yeah. So if I hadn't heard the other one, then I'd be like, yeah, this is cool. Um, and, it, and it works. It's about wanking, though, isn't it? Definitely about wanking. About- <laughs> yeah. Lucas. I, I, th- I think I prefer this version. Yeah, I prefer this version. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a weird thing, but because I'm already familiar with the other one, this sounds like an acoustic cover of a song that I know. Now. Which I suppose it, it kind of is, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But-, <laughs> um, but I think I prefer this version, probably. It's certainly more of a pleasant time. Mm. If, if that's what you want from music, it's a bit more of an enjoyable listen that this one, isn't it? I think for me anyway, uh, I can put this on and uh, study slash relax to it. Basically for <laughs> me, it's the first very clear example of Tom York as an emotive singer rather than a technically great singer. Now I think he is a technically great singer, but he doesn't always use it. The way this song sounds may have kind of tempted other singers to do a very sweet, soft vocal take. And he does a bit of that in this song, but he adds, he adds a lot of spite into the song that can make it a little bit jarring. And I really respond to that kind of push and pull. It's almost a bit Bob Dylan in places. Where he's like, all the things you got. He's like, all the things of- you need. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit like that. I, I just really respond to that. He knows exactly when to kind of lean in and pull back in the same way that I think Billie Eilish does and James Dean Bradfield and Matt Bellamy don't. Okay. I think Matt Bellamy and James Dean Bradfield, both vocalists who are like, no, we're going to go full bore all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Billie Eilish and Tom York, they're very happy to like, just just, just kind of back off from it and, and only lean in on those moments when, when, you, when you need it to. Um, Tom on this song, uh, as part of kind of an explainer or, or a quote that I thought was germane to this song, uh, he said... I feel tremendous guilt for any sexual feelings that I have. Uh, and I really relate to Tom York on that point. And that's all I really want to say about it. I 
Guitar uh, by Radiohead. We all had a nice little dance to that. We were like, <laughs> the, the chorus is just it's something so, else, isn't it's it? It's so different to the verse, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It's so it's so not what you think of when you think of Radiohead. Well, it starts on that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, moody, moody. <laughs> And, and there's like, all these like weird on. things happening in the background, and then it's like, <laughs> and if the world does turn, <laughs> and if the <laughs> talk about form versus function, though. Like, I love how the song's called "Anyone Can Play Guitar," and then the guitar through most of the song is disgusting and out of tune, and like, you know, the the opening is anyone that they could find in the studio playing a guitar. Right, there's great. like. 20, okay. 20 layers of guitar and it's people who've never touched a guitar all the way up to Johnny Greenwood playing parts for the song. Perfect. Oh, that's quite that cool. Is cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I kind of... Uh, I like the dynamic of it and I like the level of noise that they're happy to include and I like the soaring... I do like the soaring nature of the chorus. The way it's kind of... Like you said, Steve, it's just so different to the rest of the song. Like, it just... It's lift- so fucking weird. <laughs> it's so uplifting... It left, lifts off, like, from the rest of the song, but fucking hell, the song itself is so rubbish. Do you think so? Oh, it's so shit. It's like, oh, shit. so shit. It's a load of old it? fucking shit. I want to be in a band when I get to heaven. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, come on, yeah. The lyrics are terrible. We we'll agree. And obviously the bit that uh, Lucas... Uh, referenced earlier grow my hair grow my hair i am jim morrison grow my hair i wanna be wanna be wanna be jim morrison <laughs> don't forget uh, grow my hair oh <laughs> i hate it so much the wannabe bit is just awful like what's it i guess i guess they're talking about how the aspiration of being a rock star is like is lame right I, well, I don't know because then he's talking about like London burning and like obliterated. It's the end of the world. I don't know. And it, but you, but at least but, but at least guitar, he'll be in a man. band. When yeah, he gets, when he gets to heaven. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. well, no. Or when he's referencing London's burning, he's talking about the album. Oh well, you mean London calling? Yeah. Did you mean That's London, London calling? <laughs> yeah, I did. But, you know, I did. We guys. appreciate it's it. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's a good. It's a good take. It's a good take. Yes, that's where it goes. It goes London burning. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you can also read it as a swipe at other bands who are like just rock bands, which at this stage is probably a bit rich. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> because I think their ambition is there, but they the skill hasn't caught up with them. Uh, this song, bit of a bit of a meme. Uh, is it? Especially especially one particular performance of it, which which I should definitely mention, which is them performing on um uh 
<laughs> live at the Beach House on MTV, which is kind of like it's part of their spring break coverage, right? Okay. Uh, especially in the early '90s, that was a big thing. MTV would go down to like I think it's Florida they went to, or somewhere like that, where all of the college college people are having their huge spring break break parties, and they'd put on bands at a pool party. And Radiohead played, and it's worth talking about their look at this point, because this is another thing that gets them kind of like, especially Tom, he gets compared to Kurt Cobain, and they get compared to Nirvana, not just because of their sound. But Tom York, like, he's a skinny little guy, and he's got long, blonde, bleached hair. It basically looks like Kurt Cobain hair, yeah. Um, Ed... Ed is wearing basically the puffy shirt from Seinfeld. Don't know if you've seen that. He looks like a pirate. Uh, (laughs) Phil and Colin, they've come dressed as normal man, okay? But Johnny, (laughs) who is like the skinniest person you've ever seen, is basically wearing like, at this point of their career, is basically wearing like crop tops. Like he's so skinny and his t-shirts are like so small, right? And they're they're playing on Beach House, right? These these fucking like pale British weird figures, Tom with his long blonde bleached hair. They're surrounded by all these attractive American college students who are all in swimwear and bikinis and stuff. And they play, anyone can play guitar. And um, (laughs) Tom York just... We're going to cover this exact video uh, when when we cover um, the live at Astoria gig. I'm just yeah. going to play this video at the end because it's so good. I just found the images. I just Google imaged it and it is something. Yeah, they're insane. Yeah. They're oh insane. God, okay. There's a couple of things that are interesting about it that I'll go into here. Tom just starts screaming at the camera at one point. He abandons all lyrics and he's just looking into the camera and screaming his lungs out. Um then, uh, <laughs> when he gets to the line, I want to be Jim Morrison, he really gets into it. And he looks at the camera and says, I want to be Jim Morrison. Fat, ugly, and dead. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is way too much energy for the, for the, spring, the spring break, break yeah. MTV special. I like the idea that you've got some people with red cups about going, uh, woo, woo, spring break. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> it's really jarring. And then, in, a, in an act of punk rock uh, kind of uh, stuff, Tom immediately jumps into the pool at the end of the song, forgetting that he's wearing his big heavy Doc Martins, and he nearly drowns. Oh God! <laughs> he genuinely like was saying like I was fighting for my fucking life. <laughs> so he had, you, you could they cut away from him because it's genuinely quite dangerous. Um, but then you can see later on like a security guy is like helping him out of the pool and stuff. Yeah, there you go. So this song is a bit legendary just because of that one television performance which we will watch when we cover the Radiohead live at the Astoria gig because cool. it's honestly it's a sight to behold yeah what if, if you had to just go yeah like it or no don't like it what would you say about this song I like it oh really okay yeah yeah, yeah go on I don't, I don't think it's shit I just think that like the, the differences <laughs> the difference between the verse and chorus is so jarring and yet they they somehow come out of that chorus back into that verse I don't understand how he does it, how they do it, because it, it's so smooth, but it is so different. So, like, I really respected that. And also, it's a bit of a bop in the chorus, right? We ordered a little boogie, didn't we? Yeah. But that I didn't have a boogie because I actually liked it. I had a boogie because it was shit. Yeah, is that what you do, is shit. it? When something's really <laughs> shit, you just have a little dance. Is that why when we, like, see each other at events, you just have a little... Because it's, like, really shit. <laughs> 
Because you're really yeah. shit. It's just a bit. It, it's got like shit. Like the verses sounds a bit like apart from no like, but like the general like meh, 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 and stuff like that. So it's like and the bass line and stuff. It's got like bits of what and like the like again you can hear bits of like oh Radiohead will go somewhere yeah and then you've got the most like just generic rock pre-chorus and chorus which and if, if they're making fun of rock music is it interesting that the the chorus is a standard rock chorus and then the verse is weird and 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 a bit like dark is is that form meeting function i i don't like it either way but i'm just asking the question yeah i don't know is the answer maybe yeah but form meeting function doesn't but again you can have like something form meet function that's like like clever but it doesn't make it good well exactly that's the problem. yeah yeah well it would make it good but not enjoyable i guess well done on the bit <laughs> but yeah. it's shit. i don't i don't want to listen to it though you idiots <laughs> Here, here is what uh, the next section of the album. I think we go into a little stretch here of what I would call the standard rockers. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've got, I've, guys, my notes are getting slim for the <laughs> <Okay>. next bit. <laughs> and we, we're going to start that with ripcord. Coming off the back of Anyone Can Play Guitar is less dark than the verses, but less poppy than the choruses, right? It's kind of very straight down the middle. Yeah, it's shit in a different way. <laughs> this is just like... Anyone Can Play Guitar is just annoying and shit and stupid. And this is just boring and uninteresting. It's a real throwaway of a song. I have nothing... I mean... I think it's still very interesting to hear this side of Radiohead. To like, at least it was interesting to go back and hear it because I don't think of power chords and standard drum beat. Dun, 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 dun. Well, it's interesting to hear that a really well-regarded band used to be just shit, isn't it? <laughs> I I think that I think it speaks to the record industry at the time that they were given a second album, like a, a band that releases an album like this that 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 has the same success as Pablo Honey has. Spoiler alert: doesn't do that well. Uh, probably doesn't get a second album. You reckon? I reckon so. Yeah. Um, I I I mentioned like that. There's a whole stretch of what I would call standard rockers. They all more or less sound kind of similar, and they all have little interesting flourishes amongst them. But mostly, it's your kind of meat and potato rock, isn't it? And this one is sort of like fine. It's not as melodic as it should be. It's not as messy as it should be. So it feels trapped in between. Not really kind of sure what it wants to be or what it should be. Uh. 
they do chuck in a half bar of two beats just before the other guitars come in, hey. which is a nice little trick of anticipation. You know, you think it's going to kick in, but actually it kicks in not even a whole bar later. It kicks in half a bar later. That's fairly interesting. It shows there that they understand, you know, the push and pull of composition and stuff like that. Um, it absolutely fucks live. Does it really? Yeah, Absolutely. All all of these songs absolutely fuck live. I think that one of the problems with Pablo Honey is that it's very sterile. Okay. And I don't think the studio does it any fav- any favours. I'm yeah. really interested. To be fair, I don't think I've even seen anything of Radiohead playing live. Interesting. I've seen bits of him dancing and gifts. Remember that, remember that time you were supposed to see them live? <laughs> That's yes. going to come up every episode. Yes, it is. Every episode. It haunts me. Uh, so I'm really interested to see... One, a blonde Tom York, but also to see the song. Blonde York. Blonde, blonde York. Yeah. Bloche. Bloche. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> Why? What's that? What's that got to do with anything? Bloche. Why have you just thrown out that word? Bloche. <laughs> Bloche. You just like the word. <laughs> it's a nice word. <laughs> this song seems to be about kind of being stuck in a situation with no backup plan, right? You've got no ripcord. Allusions to airplanes travelling a thousand miles an hour. That kind of relates it to politics at one point. And you're jumping out of a plane, you've got no parachute, you've got no ripcord. Um, and again, I, I I get the ennui and that general suspicion of technology and the speed of life being fast. You know, Radiohead become very concerned with how fast life is moving. You know, one of the most prominent lyrics on OK Computer from The Tourist is, idiot, slow down. And I, I, I get that uh, sort of feeling from this song. Having said that, the way that this song is treated is pretty unremarkable, right? It's unremarkable. And that... And yeah, I don't even really dislike it. Here we go. We've got another, my first nothing song. Excellent. We don't get yeah. these actually very often from Steve. Yeah. I'm usually quite a positive guy, right? But this, this really well, brought you down. About didn't music. It? But this, yes. is, this has ruined my day. No, yeah, I'd say about music, you're really positive. But in terms of your influence on my life, I would say negative. <laughs> Pure negative. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real shit pipe energy going on. <laughs> Huge shit pipe energy. Oh, the shittiest of pipes. <laughs> Thanks, man. I did put a lot into that performance, so I'm glad you picked up on that. I think we should stop there, lads. Really? Why is that? Yeah, why? What, I've had enough. I'm done. What is it oh. about that last song that makes you think we should stop there? The sounds. Mm, <laughs> yes. Mm, yes, the sounds. Yeah, anything else or, or no? Uh, the, the texture. The texture. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, so, so we will stop there and, and we'll pick up where we left off next week. But before we go, could I read an email from one of our listeners? Would that be okay with you guys? Yes, you must. It, Lucas, is that okay? Because I need to know what you think before I... Really, because usually, Steve, you speak for Lucas. I I know, but but that's the reason that I'm kind of trying to give it back to him because right, it's yeah, yeah, a bit special I'll, sometimes, I'll, I'll even, even though he's nothing and he's dirt and he's a worm. I will allow, you'll allow it. it. Okay, it, uh, this uh, the subject line is email of appreciation slash rambly mess. It's from Daisy Jevons. She says, "Hi there, big mates. My name's Daisy, and I'm a Manix fan." 
fervent Instagram lurker and the insane person that posted on her Instagram story that she listened to over 23,000 minutes of your podcast last year, <laughs> according to my Spotify wrapped. What? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Do we have that many minutes? That- we don't have that many minutes. It's a crazy amount of minutes, Daisy. I'm, I'm going to be honest. What's 23,000 wait, 23, minutes, it's, right? It's, it's an insane number of minutes. But but Daisy, just yeah. in case this means anything to you. That's 383 hours. Just in case this means anything to you, Daisy. I recognise you. I think we are mutual Instagram followers. And, and hello, uh, Daisy. You post some cool stuff. Cool. Daisy? Cool. Find some other podcasts. Another There's podcast, loads of good ones. No, don't, don't, don't do it. If you, don't do if it. you spent 383 and a third albums, um, hours listening to our podcast, you have listened to every episode multiple times. Yeah, that's uh, Daisy. incredible. I say keep Thank it Thank you so much, but there's there's much better podcasts. I say listen there. again. Shush, I say go again. through it again. We love you. We love Blank you. Blank check with Griffin and Daisy. No, no, no good. Rubbish. That's again. That's uh, cruise again. Views, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cruise Daisy Views with Adam Scott Glasspool. <laughs> Daisy has said I intended that introduction to sound less like an AA meeting introduction, but there we go. Hey. Uh, I discovered this podcast last May, just before my A-level exams. In hindsight, that was probably the wrong time to start listening as I spent more time listening to you make Sean more jokes than I did revising for psychology (laughs) but no regrets this quickly became my favourite podcast and I would just have it playing constantly listening and re-listening and re-re-listening to episodes I think I've listened to your This Is My Truth episode six or seven times now I could honestly listen to you guys read the phone book at this point parenthesis bonus episode question mark. Uh, hey why, why? Uh, listening to this podcast genuinely feels like i have a group of mates that i can talk to about my favorite band or something that sounds less pathetic my journey with the manic started as all great journeys start with minor teenage rebellion i had first heard about them steve you're like this i'd first heard about them through the ellis james and john robbins radio x oh. podcast and thought i'd give them a go Listening to Motorcycle Emptiness, my dad informed me that he absolutely hated the Mannix, so I set out to become the world's biggest Mannix fan just to annoy him. What a fucking legend, yeah. <laughs> I started off with the hits, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't till I listened to the Holy Bible that I really discovered how interesting this band were. I'll admit I wasn't too sure about the album on my first listen, but it intrigued me for sure. I read about the history, read about the circumstances surrounding the album, and then listened again with the lyrics this time, and I was hooked i've since become what you'd expect an average teenage slightly nihilistic manix fan to be the holy bible is my favorite album of all time with this is my truth a close second because nikki's lyricism is my favorite here and that album is just seeped in depression i love it and connect with it so much i have posters of them on my wall and i even used a lyric from faster in my a-level film studies essay which will haunt me for the rest of my life because that is so ridiculous and so teen Teenagery that I could puke. Being a relatively young Mannix fan and being a fan for only a little over a year, I feel like a sort of outsider in the Mannix fan community. Can one feel like an outsider in a self-proclaimed group of outsiders? I've somehow managed it. This podcast makes me feel like I'm part of a community and I will never tire of the analysis, commentary and sometimes tedious, always hilarious jokes. I continue to listen through the Muse and Billie Eilish seasons and I still enjoy every second, despite not being a particular fan of either of those artists. I'd love to see you guys cover Fiona Apple at some point as I think she's a super interesting artist and I'd love to go more in depth on her discography. 
Because the lists are my favourite part of your podcasts, I've included a list of my top 10 manic songs in case you find it remotely interesting. Yes, I'm not even lists. expecting this monstrous email to get read out at this point, as I'm sure it's a rambly at best and borderline incoherent at worst. But I've got news for you, Daisy. This podcast is rambly at best <laughs> and borderline <laughs> incoherent at worst. Exactly. So we're definitely going to read out this whole email and we're going to read out your top 10 manic songs. Here's the top 10 Manic songs. Number 10, Be Natural. Number 9, Motown Junk. Number 8, Tsunami. Mm -hmm. Number 7, My Little Empire. Number 6, Faster. Number 5, La Tristeza Durera. Scream to a Number four, Archives of Pain. Mm. I wonder who you think you are. Are we not doing <laughs> clips for all of the oh, yeah, no, songs? We, no, we that's fine. That's fine. Okay, okay, okay. Do one for this next one, because number three is four stones, seven pounds. Uh, number two, yes. And number one, interesting pick for favourite Manic Street Preachers uh, song of all time. Stonkeys. Born a Girl. Oh. Which I think we all agree is a great oh. Manic Street Preacher song. And it's very interesting that it's that high. Yeah. Daisy continues. Anyways, I'll shut up now. Forever grateful for this podcast and all the entertainment and comfort you guys have given me over these past months. I hope you continue for a hundred more seasons at least. Thanks for everything, Daisy. Thank you for everything, Daisy. That's got to be the most that anybody has ever listened to this podcast, including me. And I edit the fucking yeah. thing. Right? <laughs> like, that's... Uh, that's it that's crazy thank you so much daisy uh we love emails like that especially ones that include lists because we love lists we right? love lists love we lists. love people that tell us how great we are oh we, we love, love people that tell us how yeah. great we are <laughs> yeah so good but it was so that was good. really lovely to listen to and it made me feel nice do you know what you. else i like what do you like lists you, you lists do like lists well. yeah that's yeah, true. boxes yeah. and lists oh yeah. Hello. Hello. That's, that's a little interesting Manix reference. Hey, there man. you go. Uh, and that Manix reference brings us to the end of another episode of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday, and we will continue our deep dive into the context, recording, and songs of Pablo Honey. But come and talk to us and tell us what you think about this episode. Tell us what you think about the first half or however far we got on Pablo Honey, because we do love hearing from you all you can find us on twitter at what is music pod instagram at what is music pod tiktok at what is music and if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer like daisy did and maybe have us read it out on the show you can email us what is music pod at gmail.com we also have a couple of ways if you'd like to support us other than listening retweeting liking on instagram sharing with your friends you can support us financially this podcast not necessarily free to host this podcast actually i think it costs us money but also that's fine there's a couple of ways you can contribute to that fund if you want to one is to buy our merchandise and if you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com you'll find some stupid designs and one cool one Which and we'll that? have some radio head specific stuff up now if you don't fancy our merchandise it's a little bit too pricey that's absolutely fine if you still want to chuck us a couple of quid you can go to coffee.com which is ko hyphen fi.com slash what is music all donations go towards the running costs of this podcast and are very very gratefully received that about does it thank you again for listening but before you go please don't leave me high don't leave me bye johnny greenwood okay yeah sure we'll start saying johnny greenwood (laughs) 